Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome this afternoon, and we're going to talk to Jeff Campbell and Ingrid Oshita of Odin. And we're going to hold off telling you what Odin is for a few minutes. And we're going to start with Ingrid. Tell us about your academic background. Good. Good afternoon, Peter. Thank you for having me here today. I am... um, I I am an engineer by trade. Um, went to school and um, here in McMaster University in Hamilton and studied chemical engineering in engineer in society. So at first I thought engineering and how engineering and the environment uh, come together was a a matter of interest to me. But later on, life threw me another role, uh, and I decided, and I, I have ended up working in the social work um, network. I'm so sorry, in the social world, being a diversity and inclusion specialist. And that comes from having an impact of uh, disability in my family. My son was born with Down syndrome, and that was uh, a revelation for me from a perspective of understanding how I could support my son to be the best that he could. And I have uh, come across, uh, as I was looking for a way to ensure that his future will be secure, I come across the Ontario Disability Employment Network. And they, uh, they really walked the talk when it came to diversifying their talent because I like to say that I am the square in our round logo. Uh, engineers were not part of Odin prior to me. And so I think that they really walk that talk about diversifying talent by seeing the the skills that other people bring. That's who yeah. I am, Peter. Well, I, I went to McMaster too, so you both survived. Jeanette, tell us about your academic background. Well, thanks, Peter. And as Ingrid said, thanks for having us here. Uh, My background isn't quite as exciting, um, although I I am a graduate of the University of Toronto, and um, I actually studied sociology and cultural anthropology. And that was uh, a number of years ago. So I I like to joke that I was awfully good at a cocktail party, um, but that the lines on all of the maps that I was studying in cultural anthropology have changed and a number of the names of countries have changed. So sometimes I get really tripped up, but that was my my original uh, line of study and that's what I graduated with and um, fully with the intent of going on to do a master's in social work. And the reality of it was I needed to work. And uh, I was I was paying for university myself, and I needed to earn money. So I left after my BA and uh, with the intention of going back one day and uh, and got into social services, and I was introduced immediately to the disability sector. And so since then, uh, my journey um, through through, learning has been uh, more things that are supported either by my employer or by my own interests. So I did go and uh, I did go back to the University of Toronto and get a, and get certified as a solution focused practitioner. 
um, and I've done a variety of courses around things like change management. I was doing some some studies at Ryerson, uh, so I'm always looking for something to learn. But if you if you want formal academic status, I am a very proud University of Toronto graduate uh, in sociology and cultural anthropology. Okay, you've both combined a little bit your work experience, but Jeanette. I want to find out a little more for you. Ingrid, it's understandable why you would jump into this area. But Jeanette, what prompted you to get into old Uh that's, that's an interesting question, Peter. I um, My career path started originally in disability services in uh, residential supports. So um, I had the privilege of supporting people to live independently within the community. Uh, in some cases, it was in group living situations. Uh, so I was supporting people with their daily daily life and, and helping to enhance their skills and engage them in the community. And we are going back quite a while ago. I know by the sound of my voice, I sound like I'm 20. Uh, but I'm not. And uh, and so I, I got into the sector in 1995, and I can say that it's a very different world now around inclusion than it was then. And so um, in 1999, I was introduced to this concept of supported employment. And so it was very, uh, very different from the the line of work and the focus that I had around daily life and and living skills, life skills, vocational skills, supported employment uh, took it to another level in the disability sector where um, individuals who identified as having a disability, and in this case, the organization I, I joined worked uh, primarily with people who would identify as having a developmental or an intellectual disability, um, help them to get competitive employment. So not workshop settings, not segregated work settings, not continuous training or day programs. This was jobs in the community at real pay with coworkers who were non-disabled alongside you. And uh, when I when I landed on that, I had no idea what it was about. Uh, I thought it was a really great idea. After about three months, I couldn't envision really not having a focus on employment and helping to reduce barriers after that. So while I've had a lot of experience in in the field from being a job coach to being a job developer, um, I've held a variety of leadership roles in organizations, uh, built a number of programs, um, supported uh I actually ran an organization that supported social purpose enterprises that were all owner operated by um, adults who identified as having a developmental disability. I, I worked for United Way where I learned a lot about product uh, and program development. And um, so really I've, I've had a, a really, a really well versed journey so far through through my employment life and uh, but really the focus is always on now and and always has been really that that employment piece and that community integration and inclusion piece for people who have a disability and when I met Odin uh, I'd heard about Odin 
uh, while I was running, uh, I was the director of, a, of an uh, employment program for a large organization in Toronto, and I got this weird newsletter, and I thought, wow, these guys sound cool. So I started following them and started really liking what they were doing and then managed to engage in a, in a project with Odin, and that's actually when I met Ingrid. And uh, Ingrid was the lead on that project, and um, I developed a very strong professional crush on Ingrid and developed a very strong professional crush on Odin. And uh, as the story ends, here I am. Ingrid, because you've been there a little longer, where does the name Odin come from? (laughs) Odin is the acronym for the Ontario Disability Employment Network, O-D-E-N. Who came up with it? Well, I, I, that is a very good question, and I presume that it would be the board of directors, a, a volunteer. Like Odin has been in operation for about 12 years, and it's really the child idea uh, of a number of um, senior leaders within the developmental sector who wanted more for the people who they were serving. Uh, as Jeanette is indicating through her comments, you know, this concept of supported employment. For a long time, the sector was supporting people to live independently. But employment was not, I believe, an idea that maybe even our, our sector is so viable for the people that we were supporting. And what is interesting about employment is that it empowers you. You know, we do presentations for families, and then I think that that's, for, if I can speak from both Odin, but also from a family perspective. When we talk to families about employment and how it changes the lives of their children, it really empowers families to understand that employment is truly the gold standard for inclusion. And when you think of a standard, when you think about the gold standard, is the one thing you will measure everything else against to see how well it's operating. And when we talk about employment, we talk about people being empowered, not just from a perspective of a paycheck, but from the perspective of their communities seeing them as contributors, from the perspective that they begin to acquire a social network that you you spoke to us earlier before we started the podcast about the social, your rich social network and that comes because you have had access to employment opportunities that have resulted in the network that you now call your professional network employment also empowers you to to do what you want with your own money <laughs> this whole concept that you can go and spend it on whatever your you want money. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes his, his, and, his job is to earn it your job is to spend it. You know, and, and, yeah, and, 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 and people who have disabilities, developmental disabilities, also want access to that relationship, those relationships, those strong relationships that we, that we, I take for granted, the fact that I have a fairly stable relationship. But, you know, and, and that's this whole concept of these, these leaders that saw that the one thing that we were missing in the sector when we were supporting people, particularly with developmental disabilities, was that part, employment. Okay, I have a couple of small physical disabilities, so that's why I I got into this thing. And I've started a new initiative called uh, Disability Advocacy 
four, number four, action. And my website designer is a lady who had a stroke when she was 20, 22 years old, sorry, 22 years old. And she does all of our social media. She was a blogger for eight years. She rewrites stuff that I can't read. And, and you know. Uh, and so that's, that's how I got into this area. And also, well, there was another gentleman out of South Africa that I did a podcast on. And he's blind, and he's been doing advocacy with corporations and government for 20 years. And Peter, you know, you bring up the it just jumping in to to yeah. jump off of something that you said when you're talking about uh, uh, the young woman who's doing. I think you said your communications and 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 work with you and and web and things like that. It, that's a really great example as well of some of the work that Odin Odin does is is working with uh, communities, working with businesses, working with leaders, uh, also just to to provide that information and awareness. And, and start to normalize disability. And, and one of the things that we often say is it's the one club anybody can join. And so to, to, to wander through life, not thinking about access, either access to opportunity or access from a physical standpoint, access from a, from a social standpoint, if you don't think about that just because you don't identify as a person who has a disability, you're doing a disservice to yourself and your community. Um, because it is the one club that everybody can join and disability intersects everything. You've named different countries for people that you've been interviewing in. Disability isn't unique to just Canada or the U.S. It is in every country. It is in every population, every socioeconomic demographic. And yet it gets left out of an awful lot of conversations. So that's some of what Odin or the Ontario Disability Employment Network wants to do is keep that conversation going. Well, that's part of the reason that I got into this because racial justice, as you know, is number one. The focus on disability way down the line. So that's one of the reasons why I, I, I've started this separate from our community organization. But uh, there's more to talk about. With... With your, uh, with the pandemic, how did that change things for both of you? <laughs> Personally or professionally? Um, no, for, I think for for Odin, for, Odin. For, for Odin um, it 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 actually was an amazing opportunity. I I think, and I could see Ingrid is agreeing with me on that. Um, Odin has always operated uh, online. We are an organization that has no bricks and mortar. We don't have an office. We never have. Uh, our team is made up of uh, really dedicated, passionate people across the province. We all work from home and we would travel to and from 
organizations and businesses to do capacity building and training, which is sort of the, the bread and butter of, of what, what Odin does. Our board as well is all across the province and our membership. So we're a member-driven organization. So our members are agencies all across uh, the province as well. So for Odin, uh, the pandemic where everybody switched to work from home, it didn't really change a lot for our everyday working style. But what did change was our um, the way that we delivered our services. And so it forced us to pivot very quickly to transition our services from in-person service delivery, these in-person business presentations and meetings with companies, to getting ourselves onto a screen on the boardroom desk. And, um, and what we realized was when we went virtual with our actual services and not just the way that we, del- that we interacted with each other, when we went virtual with our services, we increased access. There was increased access to Odin's services and supports. We were meeting with more agencies. There were more uh, professionals being trained. We were able to talk to more businesses, train more employees. It It really made a difference and it pushed us to think about what else, what else, what else can we build? What else can we do with harnessing the power of, of the online world? So it's been it's been a really exciting two years. We've actually doubled in size as an organization. There's a book by Al Edomansky. I don't know whether I, either of you are familiar with it. Al Edomansky is a disability advocate. And one of the things he brings up that I think you'd find really interesting. If you take a person who's got a disability, you take the family of that person who has a disability, you take the friends of that person who has a disability, that's a huge group of people who could really take over the country. Yeah, the stat is uh, 53% of the population in Canada is either impacted or cares about uh, disability because of a connection. Uh, So when you look at the Canadian stats sitting at around 22%, we hazard that when the next uh, data release comes, I think in about a year off of the last census, that we'll see it's higher, much higher. Um, but going off of that, 22% of the Canadian population identifies as a person who has a disability. When you factor in friends and family, uh, that's 53%. Some of the research that Ingrid and I are coming across now uh, is is talking about that number being up into the into the 70s. And when you look at it globally, people uh, who have a disability and that network surrounding them. And that's a that's 1.8 billion people globally. It's the largest minority, um, and and the disability market in U.S. dollars is estimated to be around 13 trillion dollars annually of disposable income. So it's something businesses and 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 politicians as well, and program developers and things need to pay attention to. This is a significant population uh, worldwide. Well, what's interesting in the research that I've done, there are 14 universities that have a disability program. Mm 
14, which is pretty amazing. And they would be great groups to tap into for research projects and all kinds of things that you could do with them. But now we're going to have some fun. Ingrid, Ingrid, three years from today, what is Odin going to look like? That is an interesting question because I think we're being pushed out of our comfort zone to do the work that we do at a scale that is not, if not national, global. <laughs> um, we are fortunate enough to be seen as subject matters experts that are that hit above our waistline if or above the belt. And I think that is because a dedicated group of people uh, at Odin do extraordinary work. So yeah, three years from now, we are national. Three years from now, we are impacting a number of people to enter the workforce. And three years from now, the business community is better because Odin is here. Okay, Jeanette? I would agree with, with Ingrid. Uh, in three years, I think that uh, Odin is going to be impacting and affecting change in the business community and in the service provider community. Odin doesn't claim to, nor do we provide any sort of direct service, would be the term in, in our sector. So we don't work with individual job seekers as as one of our functions. There are a number of organizations out there who already do that. So we work with, with the agencies and we work with the businesses. So in three years, I see us working with more, um, experimenting in, in other areas where we've just recently brought a uh, online recruitment platform into Canada uh, that's built by and for the disability community. Um, and so we're, we've been launching that. Uh, we last year went national for uh, something called Light It Up for NDEAM. So NDEAM is the National Disability Employment Awareness Month in North America. And we've always done awareness campaigns during that time. And, uh, and last year, we two years ago, we decided to light up Ontario. And it was very successful. Last year, we said, why not push ourselves out of our comfort zone and hit outside our weight class? Let's do it nationally. So we partnered with a large national organization uh, to support us. And, um, and we went national with Light It Up. We lit up. Uh, and when, what we're talking about is lighting up uh, landmarks businesses and communities uh, around the country. So every single province and territory in Canada participated last year. It's a one night only, it's just a couple of hours. Uh, they light up purple and blue. And we are talking about things like the CN Tower here, Niagara Falls, BC Place in uh, the, the BC Centre in, in, in British Columbia. Um, Telus Fields and the Halifax Harbor was lit up. The Terry Fox Memorial lit up. Uh, you know, like there's just and and everything in between. And so I see us in three years doing more things like that, where we're increasing awareness, we're getting the conversation started, we're helping people to to make those connections, so that so that eventually we don't need to exist anymore. 
and and inclusive hiring so disability inclusive hiring is just part and parcel of your hr processes that's that's where we want to see it ingrid talk about the importance of volunteers to ob i do not work directly with volunteers from that perspective but what we what i would say is that um we have champions that advocate for that message of inclusive uh, hiring processes. You know, Odin has the, the Business Champion League, which is a group of leaders from the business sector community who have gone through the process of hiring inclusively, have learned um, through pains and, and triumphs what it takes to be an inclusive hiring um organization and in turn have committed to, to Odin to carry on from a business to business perspective that message. And so we will call up on them. We don't pay them for, for, for being part of the business champion. So they're volunteers. So they yeah. are. <laughs> and so they are championing the message to from a business perspective to another business leader. That this is good. This is good for your business. This is good for your bottom line. This is good for your community, because and the people who are in your community are the people you're hiring. And interestingly, the Champions League was started by um, by the former Lieutenant Governor of Ontario. So David Onley started that, um, and uh, and so the Champions absolutely would be classed formally. They would be classified as volunteers, and they are supporters and champions, and and they. They do some amazing uh, things for us. And I think the other way that people are volunteers is through the board of directors. So we do have the board of directors and a few small board-related committees. And um, and that is – and Odin was born from volunteers. That is where it came from. And just in the last 10, uh, 11 years, it's sort of formalized itself. So while we're a nonprofit, we're not a charity, and we don't do a lot of community work that would engage volunteers now. That being said, we're very interested in working with, um, with students, and that's on our plans for the next few years. Um, so we're, we're hopefully about to engage with, with the Rotman School of Business for, for their onboard program. And uh, so we'll we'll be getting a student intern. Uh, Ingrid has done uh, some work bringing in students from a variety of different areas. And we are looking at how do we start providing these mentorship and internship volunteer opportunities so that students are getting real world work experience. I think colleges and universities would be welcome to uh, engage with you and provide their skills and knowledge. So. And call them volunteers, please. Yes. Because uh, I, I could see, you know, 50 volunteer students who would be very excited to be part of what you do. So let, 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 let's give Ingrid another project. Why don't we do that? <laughs> I was going to say, Peter, it sounds like you just figured out another place we're going to be in three years, um, which which we love. Ingrid's been leading our youth success strategy work uh, with um, with with one of her team members, and 
and we're looking at all the ways to engage youth and 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 how we can you know increase their their access to opportunity and make sure that youth who have a disability are are getting the same access to these internships and mentorships and real work experience when they're in college and university and even in high school um so i i think maybe we have found uh, so in three years An another project for ingrid exactly exactly job security peter job security <laughs> okay so obviously ingrid is one example but is your team Jeanette, multicultural is the team multicultural yes um, I think that our team is diverse. Uh, Not just a uh, bunch of white people. Um, currently, I think that we would have a, a bit of an overrepresentation if you're doing it in percentages. Um, but what we do have is a is a very diverse, uh, a diverse group. So we have. Um, team members who identify as a person who has a disability. There are team members who, like myself, identifies as being biracial. Um, we have both women and men on our uh, teams. Uh, we have people who identify in a variety of different orientations. Uh, so we do have diversity in our... Well, uh, for 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 Black, Indigenous, or people of color, I think uh, technically it's just Ingrid and I. Um, so so out of out of ten staff, uh, we have two staff. We yeah, who would identify as BIPOC. We did have a, a staff former, formerly who also would have identified as BIPOC, uh, but she uh, she got a great opportunity, a little closer to uh, to her passion point, and and off she went recently. So. Okay, Jeanette. Final question: What is your website address? Uh, our website address is www.odenetwork.com. So when you say it out loud, people will say Odin Network, but there isn't two ends. So it's odenetwork.com. Okay. Well, you may not like this term, but you are a social enterprise, and. Uh, don't uh, don't discount the fact that you are a social enterprise. You are giving back to community. Oh, absolutely. We I I agree with you, Peter. I think we're. Uh, I, to I show think you we're. That. Oh, you're wearing your Invictus Games T-shirt. Well, we. Um, you know what's interesting about that? I I did track and field as an official for several years, and one of the interesting meets was at University of Guelph. It was called the World. Dwarf games. World dwarf, little people. That that must have been several decades ago, because that's no, a term that's not no. not used anymore. No, they're the ones yeah. that used it. Oh. But I'll tell you where it was really interesting. Many of them bought their family, and there was a race for the six-year-olds. It was a fifty-meter race. And Wilbur, the old boy, ran the wrong way. <laughs> That's probably where I would have run when I was six. <laughs> you, you went backwards. Everybody else went forward. Me too, Janet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what made it interesting. Anyway. Against the current. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you very much, ladies. It's been fun. You're passionate. 
and you're giving back to community, and that's what's important. Well, thank you for that, Peter. We we do try. Thank you.